Welcome to the Catalyst Church Podcast. We're here up in Humboldt County, California. We're glad you're with us. We hope that you're blessed and that you find peace and grace in the Word of God today. Amen. Well, friends, we're going to go into our time of teaching today. And again, I apologize that this is like the Bethany show. It kind of feels like it. Uh, so I'm looking forward to getting back together and having some liturgists in there and some more faces uh, that we can worship God together with. We've been in a series the last few weeks called Why We Do, and we are looking at why we do the things we do as Christians, as uh, as church people, uh, why we have all these different pieces, why we sing, why we say the Lord's Prayer. Um, and, and it's a question that we ask, like, why do we do these things? Because as we move forward as a church in a post-pandemic, I know we're still in the middle of this pandemic, but in a post-pandemic world, what is Christ's church meant to look like for the next year or the next five years, 10 years beyond that? What do we, what are we bringing forth into the world? How are we making disciples? How are we bringing hope to other people? How are we compelling as a people in a restorative way for the rest of the world. Because if the church continues forth in a way that just blesses itself and isn't looking outside or outward to bless others, we can easily become more self-absorbed and even competitive towards others. So we're taking a hard look at each piece of our Sunday gathering to know why we participate in them and how this participation, our Sunday gatherings, truly have the potential for us to be used by God to bless other people, for God to bless us so we can bless others. Now, most of us know that the church goes far beyond a weekend worship service and a building and a sanctuary, right? The church is the gathering of God's people. It is the, it's when two or more come together. This is the church. The church is calling in the world, you know, this community of your friends and family, we gather to remind each other, um, and this sounds really, really strange and everything, I get it, but we gather to remind each other to come and die so we can go and live. We are reminded every week that life is not about you, <laughs> that it's not about your personal preferences or your comfort. And when we gather as the people of God, those things come and die. We are forgiven. We are set free from our anger and our, and, and our contempt and our hatred, our hatred of ourselves or our hatred of others. We come and we die to those things so that we can go out and live the truth of God's great love. So when we gather together, I affirm in you and you affirm in me that sin no longer controls or manipulates me. It has no say in my life. We mutually affirm the abundant love of Christ that was shown by his death on the cross and the power of God that raised him from the dead. Death to life is the point of the church. You cannot have life without having death. We come from death into life. But we are forgetful people, aren't we? We, we forget. We frequently are 
pulled apart. We are dismembered. So like D-I-S dash membered. We are dismembered from the good news of God's grace. By the time I get to my Wednesday in the week, I am now a student and a mom and a wife and a pastor. I'm a, I like to go on runs and so I'm a runner. I'm a cook. I'm a nurse. I'm a homeless advocate. I am a high school counselor with being on our campus with high school students. I am a taxi driver and a discipler and a grief counselor. I'm a writer and I feel pulled apart in all these good things all these affirming parts of myself. These are good things, but I am not together. This dismembering of all the good parts of myself become very unsustainable when I'm not remembering, coming back together, remembering who I am that I need to begin with. So those things that I do, They're all pieces of me, right? But who I am is a beloved and blessed child of God. If I'm not actively remembering myself and my purpose and Christ's church or God's family, I easily get pulled apart. I get dismembered from the core of who I am. So we do these church things each week so that each person can come back together and be remembered to your individual wholeness and your collective wholeness. That is not just about you as a person, it is you as a group. We are together in that sort of space, but we have to become, we have to become remembered every week. So today we're gonna look at why we, like this, this area of remembering ourselves, like coming back together to ourselves. And part of that is why we pass the peace and why we give blessings to each other. And the passage I want to sit in today is actually a passage that is so familiar to you. You may not have known where it was located in the Bible, but it's something that you've heard a million times. You've probably blessed other people with it. And it's one that we bless within our church very often. And it's called the priestly blessing. And it says in Numbers chapter 6, will be in verses 22 to 27. Numbers 6, 22 to 27, if you'd like to turn in your Bibles. Numbers is in the beginning of the Bible. It is in the Old Testament. So it goes Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, the fourth book in the Old Testament in the Torah. So it says, The Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron and his sons, This is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. So they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. May the Lord add a blessing to this blessing. Thanks be to God. I kind of want to ask a question and you're welcome to pause the video and sit with it for a moment, but how has this blessing affected you in your life? Like where have you used it or spoken it over others or had it spoken over you? Have you ever sat in this blessing before? What images come up or thoughts? Is it comforting? Is it challenging? 
This passage of scripture comes out of the Exodus. So when Moses, through God's power, led the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt, uh, Moses led them through the Red Sea, you know, the, the water walls, and leads them into an area called Sinai, which is a mountain um, past, past uh out of, out of Egypt and going towards Israel, essentially, or the land of Canaan at the time. And this, this represented God's presence. And so what you see is that there's a sense of God's presence uh, in this passage, but before this passage. So they're at Sinai. It, it's God's presence is palpable there, but they haven't quite started wandering yet. So this, this blessing comes in the wilderness in an in-between time. And I know that for a lot of us, we feel that. We feel like we're in the wilderness in this in-between time. Uh, it, it comes right after a Nazarite blessing where God is speaking a blessing over specific kinds of people. And then there's this general blessing for every single person. God's blessing for all. It says, the Lord bless you. That word Lord in this poem, in this blessing is used three times, you know, and, and we've talked about the, the, the significance of the number three. If it said three times, it's like, um, you know, they didn't have any bold type print. They didn't have any exclamation marks back then. So it was a way to cement the importance of a specific word. So the Lord is using this word three times to cement the beauty that this blessing is from the Lord. This is not from Aaron. This is not from Moses. This is not made up by somebody. This is, this is directly from God to the people. What's also interesting is that, so the Lord word is used three times and in, in the Hebrew, uh, there's, uh, 12 more words beyond the Lord. So there's 15 words altogether, but the 12 words scholars believe represent the 12 tribes. And directly after this, there's like offerings to the dedication of the tabernacle and God goes over each of the 12 tribes. So there's a lot of significance for the people there, but I believe there's significance for us as well. Since we, as Christ followers, as disciples of Jesus, Jesus was a Jew and we are grafted into that Jewish um, significant family that it, as Christian people, uh, that word you, may the Lord bless you and keep you, make this face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. This you is not plural. This is a singular you. This blessing is meant to be personal and intimate. It is given by God to the priests to then give to each person. And so it's, we are absorbing this blessing into our bodies as individuals, but it's also given to the corporate group. It is a singular, but it is given to everyone. We've all been included in this blessing. And the word blessing is brook, which means on bended knee. It feels weird, right? The Lord bless you. But aren't we meant to bless God? We're meant to bend our knee. We're not meant to worship God. We bless God. But here in this blessing, we see that God blesses us. And not in the way of just like health, wealth, and happiness. There is a reality that God, that all of God's blessings, everything you have, everything is a blessing from God. Your health, your wealth, your family, your prosperity, your goodness, your, your, the delight that you have in the world, your very personality is a blessing from God 
But what we see here is the way that God blesses us in this blessing is through God's very presence. Mm. Blessing is knowing God. The greatest blessing is being with God and knowing God's very presence. And there's obviously there's like the the benefits of knowing God, just like the sense that that God blesses us. Absolutely. I, I totally, totally believe that. But that's not the blessing. The blessing is being with God. Jason and I just spent the last couple days in Napa with our our very best friends. We've been friends with them since college 20 years ago. And we met our friends um, in Napa. And Napa's not the cheapest place to be. You know, it's a it's fairly pricey and we got a very um we just got a hotel that was the most affordable we could find let's just put it at that and they were able to get this package deal and they got this really nice hotel and so we were spending time with them by their pool and they there was wine tasting at the hotel complimentary like it was a very nice place but we're not friends with these, with, with our friends based upon the benefits we can receive because we get to hang out at their bougie hotel. That's not why we're friends with our friends. We are friends because we love them. And it doesn't matter if we're in the, the, the worst part of town. It doesn't matter if we're living in our car. It doesn't matter if we're, you know, in just a terrible place. I mean, we were in a beautiful place, but it doesn't matter where we're at as long as we are together. Because being together is the greatest blessing of all. That sort of deep friendship, being with them because of who they are, is the blessing. And it says here that the Lord keep you, bless you and keep you. That word keep you is shamar, which means to guard and protect. And oftentimes when we hear the language keep, uh, sometimes I think about like, well, I keep God's commands, right? Like I'm supposed to hold or keep God's commands. But here we see that God keeps us. His face shine on you. That word face is panah, which means it means face, but it also means presence. This is not the face of God that is angry or hidden or showing you just how disappointed God is in you. This is a shining face. This is a smiling face. It's like God is smiling at you. And this language is used from time to time. Psalm 27, 9 says that the psalmist says, don't hide your face from me, Lord. God's face shining on you, this blessing that God has given you, has spoken over you. It speaks of intimacy. It tells you that you are known, that there's a friendship. And this isn't just like passively receiving this blessing or, or passively receiving God's face shining on you. This is an active word. It, it speaks to our participation because if you look at the beginning of the Bible, the story of Adam and Eve in that garden, it shows that when they sinned against God, they hid from God's face in that garden. And I believe that we too can hide ourselves from God's affection, from God's smile, when we believe the lie that says that we're unworthy or that we're not enough. Oftentimes when we believe lies like that, when we live into that sort of mentality or that sort of narrative that says that we're not enough, we tend to cover ourselves up as fast as we can, right? We tend to hide. 
So when God's face shines upon us before we've ever done anything, this wasn't like, okay, I met this standard and I'm living this way and I'm being this kind of person. So maybe God's face will shine upon me. This is God's face just shining on you. You can either actively participate in receiving that beauty or you can passively step away. I think we're meant to add, to, to connect in that space of actively participating and allowing God's face, that smile, that affirmation to, to just soak into us. And then it says, we'll give you peace. That word peace is shalom. It is a word that we talk about a lot. This is the mending and the restoring. It is the remembering, the coming back together of ourselves. Shalom is the result of God's presence in the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of your circumstances, in the midst of, of a really difficult Mother's Day, the great losses you've experienced, the, the, the loss of your health, the loss of your income, the loss of your marriage, the loss of your family members, the loss of your consistency and routine, all of those things can make it really hard for us to actually receive that remembering. But even in the midst of that, there is a, there is a result of shalom of God's presence. Shalom is this sense of wholeness and completeness. It's when everything that was dismembered, everything that felt pulled apart and torn away from you throughout the week and throughout your month and throughout your year, it comes back. You come back together again. You're restored to your full and complete self, your true belovedness, your absolute worth. That is what the shalom, that is what the result of God's presence is in your life. Now, friends, what does this mean for us? First, I think it means that we need blessing. We need a blessing. We need to become remembered. We need the blessing. It actually reminds us. It remembers us to ourselves and to each other and to God. Um, it is given by God or from God to Moses. And then Moses passes it on to Aaron. And then, and Aaron is the high priest. He is the one that becomes this mouthpiece, the mediator between the people and God. He, Aaron and his, and his family, the family of Aaron, um, oversees the sacrificial system, the tabernacle. He is the person that's in charge of the sanctuary, you know? Uh, and, and so the, the blessing goes from God to Moses, communicated to Aaron, and then Aaron communicates it to the people. So Aaron becomes the communicator of God's blessing. But what we see throughout scripture, friends, is that when Jesus Christ came to this earth, when God in flesh walked among us as a people, as a human being, when Jesus allowed himself to be sacrificed on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins, to point us towards life everlasting, what happened in that moment is that thick veil that separated God from people, that separated the holiness, the sacredness, the, the untouchability of God, in the temple, that thick curtain that only the high priest could enter in once a year was split down the middle when Christ said it is finished. And the spirit of God was unleashed into the world and then found, found a, a residence, found home 
in believers of Christ Jesus. The Holy Spirit of God resides within us. And if the Holy Spirit of God that was contained to the temple where only the priests could dwell and be in is now dwelling in us, it means that as Peter says, that we are then called a priesthood. Yeah, there are people like me and other people that are like, you know, it's our job. It's our calling to be paid to do this sort of work. But I am no different than you. I have no better or more significant calling than you do. I am just called to help you remember, to help point you back, to help guide you back to those places of coming back together of God's shalom for you. But you then, instead of Aaron or me or any other great pastor, preach, uh, preacher or minister or reverend or great anything, right? That we, we, we put so much effort on these paid, ordained people. If you have given your life to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, when you became a disciple or a follower of Jesus, you also became a priest. And I know that's a really high calling. I get it. But that is who you are, my friends. You became a pastor, a minister. You became the bearer of blessing. This is not Aaron speaking it over the people. This is not Bethany just speaking it over you and then you take it and you're like, cool, on with my day. You, my friends, have become the bearer of blessing. This blessing isn't simply for you to receive on a Sunday or to pass the peace of Christ to the church people around you, a little handshake pre-COVID. <laughs> you become the bearer of blessing and the passer of peace, of shalom, of restoration, of bringing back together what's been pulled apart. We speak blessing over each other here in this church so we can go out and speak blessing over the world. Why do we do this, friends? Why do we pass the peace? Why do we say a benediction? Why do we speak blessing? We do it to practice here so we can continue forth and speak blessing over others in the rest of our week. This is why we do. This is why we do. <laughs> and friends, there's a lot of people who need a blessing, who need to know that God is for them, that God loves them, that God shines his face on them, and that God brings them peace. Oh, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. <laughs>